0: Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castor, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? I'm great, Adam. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I am so happy that it's Friday. I am as
1: well, and there is there is lots to talk about. Oh, wow. We have some breaking news right off the top of the show. Happens. So um antonio brown yes has been suspended for eight games mm-hmm. for violation of the nfl personal conduct policy
0: right off the top well i guess that's even more of a deterrent for teams to uh to not sign him yeah In in other words antonio brown may not play in the nfl Again. It's the rotten cherry on top of the shit Sunday that is Antonio Brown's uh, prospects as a wide receiver.
1: Yes, as if, as if we needed confirmation that Antonio Brown may not have a prayer of playing in the NFL again, uh, there's your confirmation that
0: you needed. Yeah. So. I mean, didn't he retire like two weeks ago? He's retired three times. Like, I don't know. I think he, he's, like, he's like
1: Kanye. He's like Kanye. He, he just he flips. I know. Only Kanye has an actual mental health reason for why he flips. Granted, he does nothing about it, but that's another different story. I think Antonio Brown is just—I think he's just certifiably insane.
0: Well, I there—you know—there are theories out there. Thank you, Vontez. Perfect, by the way. Thank yeah. you very much. Right. Well, that, speaking of, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, there are theories going around that Antonio Brown is suffering from uh, CTE right now, and I'm putting a lot sense. of weight. Way- I put a lot of weight in that theory. Yeah. Because you know, when he got into the league in t- 2010 and you know when he was coming up at Central Michigan, like you never heard about this sort of this stuff
1: from him. Well, very rarely do you hear about anything that goes on from Central Michigan. No, well, even then Unless it's, it's even, you know, unless it's of course, unless it's of course about one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League that happens to be one number eighty four for the Tennessee Titans, Corey Davis. Then when he was at Central Michigan, you
0: heard all about him. Well that's funny, because they both wore eighty four. Anyway. Anywho. So yeah, I think there, there there's some weight in that in that theory because this really started happening more or less in like twenty sixteen ish. Yeah. And- yeah, more or less. And that was around that time. That's when Antonio Brown really Felt, get, went off the deep end. He was getting like mauled by Vontez Perfect Uh yeah. like twice a season. Yeah, you he, mean be a victim of
1: uh, of a hit and run, of assault, assault, assault. Oh, Antonio Brown.
0: Well, we wish him all. We wish him all the best. No, I mean I hope he gets the help that he that he rightly deserves because, of course, yeah, we don't want to speak ill of anybody on the, unless no. they deserve it on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show.
1: True. Especially especially if it, if it equates to someone who's suffering with their own mental health.
0: Anyway, that's, that's one part of News and Notes. The other big thing of News and Notes, which is thankfully on the field. Thank God.
1: Well, there was another thing, but we'll get to that in our division preview because it just so happens that it just lined up perfectly with when we're talking about the NFC South. So LaShaw McCoy,
0: thank you very much. Thank you very much. The big thing is that just like in other leagues, a bunch of NFL players have opted out of the 2020 season. And I mean, just to give my two cents on this, I think the NFL is making a huge mistake not having a bubble. Because if you, you're looking at what's going on with baseball right now, and you know, as a term of recording, there have been three or four series that have been canceled or postponed
1: and continuing to grow. Yeah. And
0: continuing to grow, to grow as the, as the cases spread. And you know, you, you look at, I mean, basketball and hockey have just started up, but like you look at soccer has been doing okay. Like, I don't think they have, they've had too many.
1: No, no. And uh, they've cases been, they've been in the bubble.
0: Yeah. They've been in the bubble for a while. and. um hockey and basketball tbd yeah exactly tbd but i think as long as the nfl is trying to have this thing where there's gonna be no bubble you're gonna have teams traveling and kind of free to their own devices then you're gonna have more players opting out who don't want to risk it especially players like for example marquise goodwin who after years of trying has finally has a child Five miscarriages, I thought it was. Yes, it's just it, horrible. Right, exactly. You wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. No, and then no, absolutely not to give that all up to risk, like risk giving that all up, playing football. Like it's not, it's not worth it.
1: No, really, no, not at all.
0: So he's one of the major players on the uh, on the Eagles. He's one of the, the only player on the Eagles so far who've opted out of the season. Um, a lot of players on the Patriots have opted out, uh, namely Patrick Chung, Donsai Hightower, Brandon Bolden, Marcus Cannon, Danny Vitale, and uh, Najee Toran. I guess in the Danny order-
1: Vitale, fullbacks are people too.
0: Yeah, fullbacks are people too. I was about to say this list is in order of importance apparently to the Jesus. team. Jesus. Hey, Adam, fullbacks are very vital to the team's success. Yeah. They don't really use them anymore though. The Dallas Cowboys do. Jamezi Wale, baby. I mean, the Jets have a fullback, but he's not really a fullback. He's a
1: converted tight end. Wait, the The New York Giants will have a fullback soon enough.
0: Yeah, I think the. Uh, I'm trying to think of old. Do they have a? Do the Giants have a flanker? Do they draft a flanker in their uh, <laughs> in the third round?
1: <laughs> hey, hey, the the greatest fullback of all time may just be uh, Jim Brown. Yes. And a lot, of people, a lot of people want to assume that uh, Jim Brown was a, uh, was a running back. No, 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 no. Jim Brown was a fullback. Different time. very, very Different, different time. time, yes. And then, of course, you have arguably the greatest fullback of the modern era in Daryl Moose Johnston. Yeah. Well, Ooh. I was
0: thinking of, um, oh, God, who is it? That, the guy who played for the Bucks, Mike Allstott. Yes. I think he, he's definitely up there.
1: John Riggins, too, for, yeah. the, uh, for the
0: Washington football team. Played for the Jets for two years, I think. Yeah. It was two years, he played for the Jets, and then he went to uh, Washington. Yeah, and then you look at the modern
1: fullbacks, too. Kyle Juszczyk, uh Anthony Sherman. Um,
0: trying to think of some more. <laughs> wow. Way to really take the piss out of your own argument. <laughs> look at all these modern fullbacks. I can think of two.
1: <laughs> uh pat ricard it's another one um yeah. you get my gist okay john coon john coon yes. one of the one of the one of the great fullbacks of our time
0: mm-hmm. anyway
1: um none of the level of daryl johnson to so make that very clear I mean, emmett smith would not be the all-time leading rusher if it wasn't for Dow johnson and for the fact that barry sanders decided to hang it up very early that too
0: yeah uh, as far as other players that are opting out, uh, Star Latule is a big one for um, – who does he play for? Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, see, I was about to say Carolina Panthers. I was like, no, he doesn't play for them anymore. Eddie um, Goldman, too, from the Chicago Bears. Yep. Uh, Anthony Thomas from the yep. Ravens. And the biggest one of all is Damien Williams. Clyde devert a Yeah. Okay. He's back on the radar. He's up there. That, that was a surprise. You know, it's funny because we talked about Lauren uh, Duvernay Tardif on the last episode. Yes. And now one of his teammates has opted out of the season as well. So yeah, I mean, the implications of this are far and wide as far as the uh, fantasy landscape, the running back landscape. And I think with barely any competition in Kansas City, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, going, is probably going to be more highly touted, more highly drafted than any rookie running back that we've talked about. Um, all right, so let's do, let's
1: do a little exercise then, talking about uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Where would you put him? Would you rather have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Alan Kamara? I'd rather Alvin Kamara. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Joe Mixon?
0: I'd rather have Joe Mixon.
1: Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Josh Jacobs?
0: PPR or non-PPR? PPR. I'd rather have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Wow. Maybe. I'd rather, I'd rather have Josh Jacobs. I like Josh Jacobs. Here's the thing. The interesting thing about Claude Edwards Hilaire, because he's a rookie, because as we talked about the rookie running backs and how, and rookies in general, that, how, you know, they need time to adjust to the game speed and there's going to be no preseason, there's going to be limited training camp. Sure. So I'm afraid that people are going to say that he's going to be a like for like with Damien Williams and draft him in the same place, which is why I'm kind of like, when you ask me about, Either would I rather have him or uh, Josh Jacobs? I was like, the offense is so good for Kansas City, but I don't know if he's going to, ju- if he's going to be as good or better than Damian Williams because he just has, doesn't have like a – there's no tape on him in the NFL. Like you just don't know. And this is probably one of the worst seasons to kind of do pre- like pre-analysis on uh, rookies. Well, I
1: thought – uh, for sure when Damian Williams opted out, I thought for sure that meant Lashawn McCoy was going back to Kansas City. Uh, obviously didn't happen. I think the Chiefs are going to bring somebody in. Just a question of who is that going to be? Darrell Williams is still there. Uh, Darwin Thompson is still very much there. Now you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, very much the favorite to be the lead back in Kansas City. But I think someone someone else is going to be brought in there just to uh, be more of a veteran you know presence because that is a very very young backfield but for me when I look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire I don't have him as high as many others do a lot of people are saying that it's the top five of Saquon, Zeke, McCaffrey, uh, Dalvin Cook, Elvin Kamara and then the rest that's in no particular order and a lot of people are saying that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the best of the rest. I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I, have, I had to make some adjustments to my rankings. I had Clyde Edwards-Alaire all the way down at RB20 mm-hmm. before the Damian Williams news. After the Damian Williams news, I have him just at the RB1, RB2 uh, turnover. So I have him right at RB12. Uh, I know that a lot of people have him much higher than that. I would believe that based on the fact that he does play for the Kansas City Chiefs um, and he's going to be in line for a ton of of targets um, in the rushing game and through uh, the air with Patrick Mahomes with dump-offs, things like that, people are going to want to invest in him. People are saying that he should be a late first, early second-round pick. Uh in a twelfth in a twelve team league, I would be okay with taking him in the middle of the second round. I think that's okay. Um I, I just think that anybody who wants to put him in the anywhere between picks eight to fifteen overall, that's that's hefty for a rookie running back that he's not a generational back like he's not a Saquon Barkley he's not a Ezekiel Elliott he's not a Leonard Fournette he's a guy that's in a great position with the Kansas City Chiefs offense being the starting running back yeah I, I understand that no doubt but at the same time he's a rookie you don't know what the season's going to look like you don't know you don't know if he's guaranteed to be the guy he could be a guy in a whole committee, you you don't know what the deal is going to be there, and for me, I just see him as he's the third option in that offense. Yeah. When you look at Tyreek Hill, you look at Travis Kelsey, maybe Miko Hardman breaks out, and then Clyde Edwards Alaire in a passing game becomes the fourth guy. So, yeah, I could see Clyde Edwards Alaire. I I have him down as a thousand yard rusher. Uh, I bumped his attempts up from around one hundred and eighty. I bumped him up to around two hundred twenty so I have him as a thousand yard rusher I have him down for eight touchdowns and then I also have him down for five receiving touchdowns so overall i think he 's a thirteen total touchdown guy, which should be good enough to give you top twenty four pick production but i i just don 't think he 's a guy that I am willing to pencil in to be a first round pick i 'm sorry i i I don't, I know a lot of people are going to be crazy over him and that's great for anybody that's, you know, honestly, yeah, it's great for anybody. That's really uh, not as bullish on the chiefs offense. And you're looking for someone like anybody who's in the late second, third round sort of range that would drop down a bit. Guys like Kenny Galladay, guys like Mike Evans, guys like Chris Godwin, guys like Amari Cooper, Those kind of guys can now fall back, and you could get them in the second or third, or in the late second, early third, because people are going to be going crazy over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And you know, if you're at the front and you just took McCaffrey, and now you could start your draft with going and getting any one of those guys to pair him up with. That's a terrific start, and I think anybody would be would be pleased with that. So um, I'm just I'm in I'm preaching caution when it comes to uh, to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but. I don't think he's a guy that's going to get you 260 carries. I don't see him being a guy that's going to get you 300-plus touches. I think he is a very solid, very, very, very solid RB2 at the worst. And at the best, I would say he's a middling RB1.
0: Well, while you were talking, I was kind of looking up some running backs that are still out there. Sure. One of the big, one name that jumped out at me, who, he is a name, like, I don't know, definitely not as good as he was three years ago, but Devontae Freeman is actually still on the market. Yeah. And that seems like kind of an option for the Chiefs. Good thing. Uh, they, the Chiefs also signed uh, DeAndre Washington over the FDH's Yes, they, tra- they traded
1: for him, but that was before the
0: draft. They yeah. traded for him, yeah. So that's another, pl- uh, another player that's, that'll be in this committee. But even like when Damian Williams was there, like the past two seasons, Andy Reid didn't really use. Like, it was kind of one of those things where it's still a committee. Yeah. And Damian Williams wasn't the guy there, so I'd expect that um, it's not going to be a situation like it has been in the past. Like by the past, I mean two thousand four, where it's like. Uh, Clyde Edwards is going to get 20 carries a game, 15 carries a game. Yeah. Clyde Edwards is not going to be the next Brian Westbrook. No. And honestly, Andy Reid hasn't really done much with like one running back over his coaching career. Yep. He, he's had multiple, multiple running backs for, for uh, multiple situations. Even when he's had some of the best running backs in the league, in uh, Brian Westbrook and uh, Sean McCoy McCoy at
1: his prime. We're really coming back to the Sean McCoy in this podcast. Wow. I know.
0: Well, it's more, more where that came from. (laughs) Yes, there is. It's more where that came from. Yeah. But Adam, Adam, you make a very good point that
1: Andy Reid has been known to use more than one running back. So again, it it all comes back to what I said. You don't know if he's going to be the guy. He could be a guy. He could be the leader of a couple guys. But at the end of the day, if he's not getting the majority of the work, you got to really question, you know, why are you investing a first round pick in him? Because you're looking at the guys, the running backs that you're spending a first round pick on. These are all bell cow standalone backs McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Cook, uh, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, um, Nick Chubb. You know, when it comes to, when it comes to the running and game, pass games, it's kind, of kind, of, kind of a different story. But you, you get where I'm, where I'm going. It, it's, it's just you don't know with him. He's a rookie. And I highly doubt. I highly, highly, highly doubt. And if I'm wrong, then I'll be shocked and I'll come on here and say I was wrong. But I highly doubt that Andy Reid is going to give 260 carries in year one to a rookie. I highly doubt it. And 260 carries is kind of what you need to be a easy, easy top five running back, RB1. Yeah. And people are drafting him at number six. People are drafting him above the number – people are drafting him before they're drafting Michael Thomas. And that, to me, is, is freaking insane.
0: Well, I hope that the ghost of Charles Darwin um, <laughs> puts them in their place. For doing that, for doing such a thing, the fa- fancy football, Charles da- Charles Darwin, because those the people strong will survive
1: and the weak will die. Yes, yes.
0: Uh, yeah, you people now pay attention to biology. I hope so. I hope so too. I but some. I mean, I, I could, I could be, I could be wrong. I could be
1: wrong on this. But I mean,
0: depending on where uh, you went to school, because some schools don't actually even true. teach evolution, which is true. very dumb. But that's an argument for another time. Even though it shouldn't be. Anywho, uh, there isn't really much else to talk about as far as that is concerned. But just like if you're doing that, if you're drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire over Michael Thomas, then that's free money for your league. You're like, that's like throwing the season. We say this every year, Adam,
1: when it comes down to uh, almost draft day you can't win a league at a draft, you Mm -hmm. sure as shit can lose it. So, yeah. Do your homework on Clyde Edwards Alaire if you're if you're if you're dead set on taking him. I know I know a couple people that I've uh, that I've talked to are are looking to make moves to drop back and uh, potentially take Clyde Edwards Alaire in the late first round. And I'm looking my chops. I'm licking my chops because I'm saying to myself, if I have a top five pick, this is fantastic. Because I know I can get someone
0: later in the draft and I
1: can just sit there and be like, oh, goody. All right.
0: I mean, cynically,
1: I'm Get just Get a proven like,
0: commodity. Cynically, I'm just like, I don't want to tell anybody not to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because if more people do it, if more people overdraft big names, that means that our teams are better. Yeah, true. <laughs> but no, we're... Draft we're, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Draft them everywhere. <laughs> but we're doing this for the greater good. Um, speaking of the uh, greater good and talking more about running backs, more about teams, moving on to the nfc south swift transition swift. very well done that's what i do
1: really professional adam caster mm-hmm.
0: so starting off alphabetical order the atlanta falcons i was going to call them the atlanta falcons but i feel like the crossover between soccer fans and football fans that listen to this probably won't wouldn't even get that joke
1: no no probably not <laughs> just us just us if you do get if you do get that reference, then give
0: yourself a pat on the back. So the Atlanta Falcons, and starting off with the Atlanta Falcons, a, a running theme with the NFC South is going to be that all four of these teams have their quarterbacks in order. They have like with maybe like Teddy Bridgewater is good, like he's still good, like he's not. They're he committed as, to him. He doesn't have as much. He doesn't have as much like of proven track record as Matt Ryan, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, but still like these guys have done it before. There's no, there no rookies, no rookie situation, no quarterback controversies uh, in the NFC South. So it's kind of a nice change of pace where before, you know, it was basically you had two or three, uh, three in a good year situations where you had a, like an actual competent quarterback, but, yeah, this is this is great. So Matt Ryan he has the the pedigree. Matt Ryan has you know he he's a thrower of the ball. Of course that's his job. That's what he gets paid for. Paid, paid the big the big bucks for that. And he has uh, he's getting back his offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter, who he's worked with more, over over the years and on more than one occasion as well. On more than one in on the and more than one occasion. We don't talk about <laughs> the, dar- the dark times. <laughs> no, we do not. Um, I think people might still be like thinking about his golden year of 2016 and are still drafting him kind of high as a result. But with the weapons that Matt Ryan has, especially if a certain running back by the name of Todd Gurley stays healthy, I think Matt Ryan is poised for – A solid year like he's not not like a like one of those quarterbacks that you're drafting in like the fourth or fifth round but he he's one of those quarterbacks where if you get him late if people kind of like have given up on him and you can find him late that might not be a terrible uh idea so I'm, i'm
1: gonna give you a little read on uh on matt ryan's numbers from 2016 so 2016 of course Passed her 4,900 yards, little, little shade over 4,900 yards. Had 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Then 2017 came. He threw for a shade over 4,000 yards. Had 20 touchdowns and 1,200 interceptions. Not a good year. Then 2018 came. 4,924 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions. 2019 came along. 4,466 yards. 26 touchdowns 14 interceptions so if you're going off of that 2020 should be a massive year for Matt Ryan he should be throwing 4,900 and some odd yards and he should have 30 touchdowns so in that case he should be drafted as the number one quarterback in your fantasy leagues
0: (laughs) Well, great roll credits we're done here
1: we're done we're done um you know, Matt Ryan for me, he, he is just so consistent. And that's what I like about him is that you know what you are getting with him. Matt Ryan, he'll give you one or two games where he shatters the glass ceiling.
0: Just don't draft him in an odd
1: number of year. Just, dra- yeah, just, just don't draft him in an odd number of year. It's an even numbered year. So go, go ahead and do it. You can draft Matt Ryan. He'll be fine for you. Um, he's just, he is so safe. And that's what I really love about Matt Ryan is that he very rarely, is Matt Ryan going to disappoint you or let you down? He'll have a few games where he does it. Don't get me wrong. He will, but he is every week it seems like he is a lock to throw for at least 300 yards. He threw for 300 yards last year in every game that he played in except for four. So, 15 games he he started. He threw for 300 yards at least in 11 of them so that's just the kind of guy you're talking about with Matt Ryan he's not going to blow you away with his stats he's not going to blow you away with his arm strength or you know with the way that he runs or anything like that he's going to be responsible he's going to hold on to the football he's going to make smart decisions and he's going to throw for it for a ton of yards I have him down for my projections I have him down for just in the middle. Of 46, 4,700 yards, so we'll call it 46.50 in terms of his uh, passing yards. I have him down for 30 touchdowns, so there we go. Even number a year, I'll give him 30 touchdowns. I have him down for 15 interceptions, and then I have him down for he'll get, he'll get you something with, with his legs. Not a lot, but I have him down for 100 or so rushing yards and, and a touchdown, maybe he'll, uh, he'll get you. But over, overall Matt Ryan should be very, very solid for your fantasy teams in, ter- in terms of where I have him in my own personal rankings. Uh, Matt Ryan, for me, is at QB6. So I have him above Sean Watson. I have him below Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. Well, that's interesting.
0: I think maybe, maybe there's a bit of a personal thing because I drafted Matt Ryan in an, in an odd number year, and, it was just, and I paid dearly for it. Was actually, my first it was my first year back in fantasy since I think twenty eleven. And like, oh yeah, you know, Matt Ryan was pretty good last year. I'll draft him. This is twenty seventeen. They're like, Oh yeah, Matt Ryan was pretty good last year, I'll draft him and Devontae Freeman. And I was like, Oh fuck. This is terrible. Playoffs ran around came around and it was just it was not fun. Not he's, fun at all.
1: He's very boring, Matt Ryan. He's no, very, well, very, very, very boring, but terrible. he's gonna get the job done. But well, that, what was that was the what was your draft in 2015? 17. 2017. Oh, that was after 2016. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes, yikes,
0: yikes, yikes, yikes. Okay.
1: Um, then I uh, and I understand your uh, your personal problem with uh with Matt Ryan. Yeah,
0: I've been seeing someone about it, and I think I might be getting over it. <laughs> I'm I'm very, very glad that you are getting the yeah. help that you need. Yeah. Uh the other thing of note is that Matt Ryan's gonna be throwing a fair amount because if the Falcons defense is as god awful as it was last year, then yeah, it, it's going to be a barn burner most games. You know, the Falcons are not a team to beat somebody 21 to 7. It's not going to be like that. They're, they beat teams 35 to 28, or they lose 35 to 7. Like, there's no, there's no middle ground for Atlanta, really. No, no, there's not. Uh, moving on to the running backs. And we kind of talked about this, was it during our NFC East preview? I feel like we've talked about Todd Gurley at nauseum. Yes, I think we have, but let's do it anyway. And just say that Todd Gurley is, is a scary proposition at running back. Adam, I will tell you
1: that out of all the projections that I've done, and I feel like I've done a hun- I feel like I've done hundreds of projections. This one by far was the most difficult to do. Todd Gurley. I mean,
0: we were talking With, about how out of doubt. And we were talking about how like Wolf Fuller, like you have to guarantee, you have to keep in mind that he may they probably won't play 16 games. Do you really think Todd Gurley is gonna play sixteen games if the like if the league get play sixteen games? do you think he's gonna be able to be healthy it's It's a real question,
1: isn't it? Not you know when you're doing these projections, you can do them based on how you feel with your gut and how many games that they're gonna play, but then again, you're asking yourself to play injury predictor, and that's just a very dangerous game to go ahead and play um so when I do my projections, I go off of that they are going to play 16 games. Uh, Todd Gurley is the one guy that I can confidently say, maybe next to Will Faller, that I am just not confident that he's going to play 16 games. I just, I just do not feel good about talking about Todd Gurley and, and, and even trying to recommend that anybody take him. I would just say, you know, if you are going to go ahead and invest in Todd Gurley, you need to do so knowing that you have a very good backup plan ready to go. In case something happens to, to Todd Gurley. And the odds of that happening are pretty large. But we'll give you the good that comes with Todd Gurley. He has the third easiest strength of schedule for running backs, which if you're looking for something, that's something to ride on. In terms of his projections, and, and again, I mean this this can go in so many different directions. I don't know if this is on the low side. I don't know if this is on the high side. I I really, really don't. I have him down for 215 carries, 907 rushing yards, and nine rushing touchdowns. And I have him down for 50 catches for 392 yards and four receiving touchdowns. So that's 13 total touchdowns for Todd Gurley. That is in a I would I would say me personally I would say that that's probably
0: on the high side. It's a generous pro- pro- projection because that. yeah, that's a, that's like a solid season. Like a, I mean it's a it's a middle of the road season. It's terrible for Todd Gurley considering uh the numbers that he's put up previously in his career, but arthritis is one of those things and you know better than me. Arthritis is one of those things that is always in the back of your mind and in the back of your knees. That is, uh, and it's haunting you.
1: There's nothing more that you could say other than yes, it's, it's horrible. And especially for an athlete who is 26 years old and is supposed to be at the, I guess you could say prime age of his years, especially as a running back. It's, it's, it's awful what's happened to, to Todd Gurley. And you can only hope that maybe him being in Atlanta will help him you know get back on the right track but again adam as we've talked about in the show it's a degenerative knee condition it doesn't get better and you know i I just don't yeah it gets it gets worse and as someone who was talking right now 24 years old and todd Gurley, who's 26 you know it gets worse as you get older, and especially, and this is just for me, someone who's, who sits behind a microphone and blabs for a living, whereas Todd Gurley, he's supposed to play at, the, at his peak athletic performance every week for 16 weeks on Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays or sometimes Saturdays. It, it, it's just, it is so risky for me to go and invest in Todd Gurley because he could play three games as easily as he could play 16 games. It is He could easily rush for 300 yards in the season just as easily as he can rush for 1,000. It, it, it is a very, very scary investment. It almost reminds me of four years ago when everyone was hot and heavy on Jamal Charles after he came off of his ACL injury. And – People saw him going in the third or fourth round and said, that's a guy that I want. I want Jamal Charles. I'm going to go out of my way to make sure I get Jamal Charles. And Jamal Charles just was terrible. This kind of reminds me of that. Kind of.
0: Yeah. I, I feel I had this weird feeling here he we going to go down the, the road of Jamal Charles. Because it, it, it's a very similar sort of career path. Yeah, uh, the running is. back that burns out early. I mean, I'm thinking of Sean Alexander, as well. Running backs that just they they have a, a few good years and then it's you know flash in the pan. You know, the brightest candle burns out quickest. Is I, I believe is how that idiom goes. Let's just do a little exercise, Adam. When talking about
1: Todd Gurley, um, Todd Gurley or David Johnson. I'd
0: say, God, that is so hard. (laughs) I'd say David Johnson. David Johnson. Todd Gurley or Jonathan Taylor? I'd rather have Jonathan Taylor. I'd
1: rather have Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley or Chris Carson? Ooh. I'd rather have Chris Carson. I'd rather have Chris Carson as well. Okay. So you're basically saying that you're not touching Todd Gurley with a 10-foot pole. I don't want to. Unless I have to. Fair. I have, I have Todd Gurley at my RB19 just, be, just because his numbers suggest that he should be closer to being in the, in the middle of the RB2s, but for me, I just, I just can't see a situation where uh, I'm going to put him and rank him as, an, as a middle RB2 when, well, I would say even on the higher end of the RB2s, in the 12 to 16 range, when he, I just can't trust him to stay healthy, so I think 19, 19 is a good spot for him. It may I may drop him some more depending on how comfortable I am. I may I may bring him up a few spots. But yeah, it's it's scary. It, it's he, a scary yeah. scary proposition.
0: Unless he miraculously gets a knee repla- a double knee replacement and yeah. is healthy enough for the season, then I don't know. I'm not comfortable at all with
1: No, I don't think I don't think anybody should
0: be. Todd Gurley.
1: I don't think anybody is going to be drafting Todd Gurley knowing his circumstances. And it's going to be saying, wow, I feel great about this.
0: Once you press that button, you're like shuddering. Or you put the sticker on the board. Yeah. Or that depending on uh, where you are, like you're looking at, you know, you're looking at the commissioner going, if you do the, if you're doing something in person, you're looking at the commissioner, put the sticker on the board of Todd Gurley and you could just feel everybody staring at you like, Oh, what is this guy doing? How, what the hell is going on? Who, he drafted Todd Gurley. But I mean, also in the back of their mind, like, oh, thank God. Somebody, somebody drafted Todd Gurley. Now I don't even have to think about not drafting him because he's already gone. Yeah, All right. right. Moving on to the wide receivers. And this is a, a better position with more certainty than the running back position for the Atlanta Falcons, of course, because there are, there's Julio Jones, of course who is the guy in this offense, the number one. He's going in the first round. It's only a matter of where. Uh, I've seen some drafts where he's going in the second round just
1: because people are just really wanting to get their hands on one of the running backs. So, I mean, if you're getting Julio Jones in the second round, then that's, that's wonderful.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess I should say he's going late first, early second. Because if you're going, if you're going zero RB, and you're picking like you have like Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Tyree Kill as your options for their, for that in the in the first couple of rounds, but I, yeah, it's probably going to be around there. And then uh, I mean, what what do you need? What can we say about Julio Jones that hasn't already been said?
1: There's nothing really to say about Julio that hasn't already been said. He is one of the easiest guys that you can go ahead and take. You sleep so much better at night when you have Julio Jones in your lineup. I have him down for 106 catches for 1,407 yards and eight touchdowns. So I have Julio having an absolutely massive, massive year, which if you look at his past seasons – is basically in line with where you would think it would be. If anything, it's on sort of the low side. Last year, he was just under 1,400 yards. Before that, the lowest yardage totals of his career outside of his rookie year was 2016 when he was a 1,400-yard receiver in 14 games. I think he basically is going to be in that range again, but still a massive, massive season for Julio Jones. And I think the touchdowns go up a little bit. He had six touchdowns last year. I have him down for eight. So, uh, again, you take Julio, 31 years old. You don't have to worry about him slowing down because he, he's just a freak. And you take Julio, and, and you love every second of owning, him, of owning him because I've owned him a couple times, and he is just he's awesome to own.
0: Yep, he, he's a great player. Great, great player with an offensive coordinator that cares about yes. him about yes. him getting the ball in the red zone.
1: Yes. Yes, yeah. Dirk, Cutter, Dirk Cutter has made an emphasis to make sure that Julio Jones does get his red zone looks, which why in the past with Steve Zarkisian, uh Julio did not get looks in the red zone is beyond me.
0: Yeah. Beyond me. Well, it's funny because like he, it was like fluctuating because it was like either Julio doesn't get any looks in the red zone or Steve Sarkisian was like, okay, so let's throw to Julio four times.
1: Let's right. Try
0: it. Let's try that. See how that works. So, yeah. Uh, the number two in this offense, uh, Calvin Ridley, is also making a name for himself in this offense. And I think he's solid. Like he, he's like a, a great player that you can uh, think about getting in this Falcons offense as far as wide receivers are concerned. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be on par with the greatness of this Julio Jones. But, I mean, this guy has, has that potential. Especially he does. if Julio Jones eventually, I mean, God forbid, knock on wood, Julio Jones doesn't do, they don't do anything about the, the whole contract situation with Julio Jones, where there's been like some threats around his situation with the Falcons. Um, yeah, Calvin really is a great, like a great pickup for, for anybody, either in keeper leagues or in, uh, or in redraft.
1: See, I think Calvin Ridley is going to is going to be in for a pretty huge year. I have him down for around 75 catches, 1010 yards and seven touchdowns. So, I think if you're looking for a guy that could be a very very safe wide receiver too, he'll give you some stinker weeks, but then he'll give you weeks where he does go off. Calvin Ridley could be could be that guy and you know, I look at what he's done over the course of his two seasons in Atlanta, He's entering his third year. You got that third-year wide receiver breakout um, mindset with Calvin Ridley. I think this could this could be the year very easily. It was just was an 800-yard receiver both years while in Atlanta, but 10 touchdowns, to seven touchdowns. I look at Calvin Ridley. I see a guy that yeah, the touchdown should be right in the middle of that. I had him down for eight, and then I think the yards get a boost. I think he, uh, I think with no Austin Hooper, there are, there are some yards to definitely go around. And uh, I think Calvin Ridley should be uh, one of the primary beneficiaries of getting some of those available yards. So uh, Calvin Ridley is someone that I am very keen on potentially going ahead and drafting. I have him down as my wide receiver 22, and I think that could definitely go up if, um, if I choose to go ahead and do so. Uh, but, you know, for me, there's just other guys in that range. Uh, that I like a little bit more than Calvin Ridley. I have him in that DK Metcalf, uh, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, Devontae Parker sort of area. So um, I think there'll be a very fair argument to make that some people will like Calvin Ridley more than they'll like any of those other guys. And
0: I think I would would listen to the argument. I would. Yeah, well, speaking of Austin Hooper, he was replaced in the offseason with Hayden Hurst, the uh, the injury prone tight end who used to play for the Ravens. Uh, what's your what's your take on Hayden Hurst before we move on to the Carolina Panthers?
1: He's one of my favorite sleeper tight ends this year. He really is, and I look at Hayden Hurst. I see a guy that really, when he was given the opportunity to perform in Baltimore, he was he was fine. You know, he, he did what he had to do. I look at him. I see a six four, two hundred forty five pound tight end. He's big. He's fast too. He's got great hands. He's 26 years old. He's got a lot of time left for a tight end. And I look at him, I see a guy that really should be providing the biggest statistical output of his career, given Matt Ryan's affinity for getting his tight ends involved in the Atlanta offense, Hayden Hurst being the only guy in Atlanta that really could be the standalone A tight end there that you know you're really penciling in to be the starting tight end for the Atlanta Falcons is Hayden Hurst. Matt Ryan made Austin Hooper a superstar and turned and got Austin Hooper paid by the Cleveland Browns. I think we could see something like that with uh, with Hayden Hurst. So I have Hayden Hurst down for 65 catches, 687 yards, five touchdowns. I think it's a very solid season for Hayden Hurst, and he's going pretty reasonably late in drafts. I mean, I have, I have him ranked as my uh, top uh, tight end 10. So he's going fairly late. I know a lot of people are very, very happy to wait this year on tight end. I think Hayden Hurst should be one of the prime candidates that people who do decide to go and wait on tight end should be going and investing in.
0: Yep, good point. All right, moving, in, moving down, or actually moving up, ge- moving north geographically to the uh, Carolina Panthers and uh, their quarterback Teddy Bridgewater stay big ad in uh, in free agency for the Carolina Panthers. And I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, one of those guys, like you, you kind of forget that he had like a, a solid season and a half and change or season and change with, the Minnesota Vikings before that horrific knee injury. Like he led the Vikings to the playoffs. Like people forget that this is what happened. And he did really well last year, filling in for Drew Brees when Drew Brees was injured. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, he has one of the greatest running backs in the league, probably the best running back in the league at his disposal in Christian McCaffrey. He has a solid number one target in DJ Moore. and like i think that teddy bridgewater is going to have a great season so here's how i feel about about teddy
1: i have him as my qb 21 he has the second easiest strength of schedule for quarterbacks but my thing is health is obviously always going to be a question with teddy bridgewater and obviously i am i am so happy to see him get an opportunity to start again given how he had basically his career robbed of him with what happened in Minnesota with that serious knee injury goes to new Orleans, has an opportunity to start with, with Drew Brees on the mend with that thumb injury and plays well in, in the six games that he played and he played really, really well. Then now he gets to turn that into a nice lucrative contract with Carolina. And obviously, you know, we wish Teddy Bridgewater the best and hopefully he can turn that into something, but Um, I see Teddy Bridgewater being more of a a game manager sort of quarterback. I don't see him being the long-term answer for the Carolina Panthers. I see him in a two QB league. I think you can go ahead and, and pick him just because of the schedule and how, and how easy it is, but you have to have a backup plan with Teddy Bridgewater in case it doesn't pan out. I just don't see him really being a high ceiling sort of guy. I definitely see him being, Uh, maybe a a medium to low-ish floor sort of guy, but obviously when you have Christian McCaffrey, you have DJ Moore. That helps. That helps. So I could definitely see the argument for anybody wanting to go and trusting their uh, two QB lives in Teddy Bridgewater. But in terms of his projections, I I have him down for around 3,900 yards, 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and I don't see him doing much with his legs, given, of course, the uh, physical limitations that he still has with, uh, with that knee. Um, but, again, I, you know, I, I wish Teddy Bridgewater the best because I, I am really, really rooting for him. Uh, but I think the Carolina Panthers are going to be a, uh, a pretty terrible football team this year. And uh, hopefully Teddy Bridgewater will get the opportunity to, uh, to play. And, and I hope he succeeds. I really do.
0: Well, I think the, team, the thing that will hold Carolina back – is their defense. Sure, like, definitely. And, I mean, for fantasy, like, sure, we don't really talk about defenses, but the But actually, if you want to turn that around, you know, Carolina's horrible defense, just like for Atlanta, the horrible defense is going to lead to them being down in a lot of games and Teddy Bridgewater having to drop back. He's going to be dropping back like 40, 50 times a game with how... Because if you're down big, you're going to be like heaving the ball to either McCaffrey or DJ Moore. And, uh, you know, speaking of, let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this is another guy that's like, he's Julio Jones, but he's a running back. He's incredible, this guy. He's amazing. He, if he isn't the first pick in the draft, then I don't know, that I don't know who is. He is the biggest lock
1: of a first-round pick that there has been in quite a long time. When it comes to number one overall, it, it has to be Christian McCaffrey. What he did last year, his numbers just off the charts. Just under fourteen hundred rushing yards, hundred and sixteen receptions, to over two thousand, over over twenty-three hundred scrimmage yards. I mean, he's just he's a, he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. With that being said, 19 touchdowns is a lot to live up to. Very, very difficult to live up to. And while I still have his numbers being, quite frankly, very, very, very good, I have him down for 1,178 rushing yards on around 253 carries, and then I have him down for nine rushing touchdowns. The receptions, I think they will st- they are still going to be there. I have the receptions coming down a little bit to 106 receptions for 876 yards and five touchdowns. So overall, I have him at pretty much being... Uh, a shade of what he was last year. Is that good enough to be the number one running back in, in fantasy football? We're going to find out. But overall, I think Christian McCaffrey, at the least, if you're, t- if you're taking him number one overall, I think he's good enough to give you top three, top four production. And if you're telling me that, given the history of number one picks and how they've fared the year after that, Christian McCaffrey is – he's going to do wonders for you. And I'm very happy to say that I'm going to be owning Christian McCaffrey in at least one league, and I'm very excited.
0: Yeah. Well, here, stop me if you think I'm crazy. Okay. But I think – Go ahead. really set set myself up for that one. Yeah, you did. Go ahead. I think, you know, Christian McCaffrey – he reminds me so much of LaDainian Tomlinson, like a lot, kind of. Heavy comparison. In the sense that you think of those Chargers teams when they were really good. I'm thinking about, as you were talking, I was thinking about, like, I can't name one wide receiver on that Chargers team, <laughs> on those Chargers teams. LaDainian Tomlinson mm-hmm. was, that, was the offense. He was, he was the guy. He was the best offensive player on that team and listen it would be crazy you could stop me if i was if i was going to say that he's going to be like 2006 lt because i don't think any running back is going to be at that level again but um even like a like even if he replicates what he did last year it's going he's going to win people leagues and he's like a rightfully uh, the number one pick in most, if not all, fantasy drafts.
1: He should be. And a- any reason why he wouldn't be, you need to get your head examined. Quite frankly, if if he's not the number one pick in your, in your fantasy league, if you have one pick and you're not taking McCaffrey, you're out of your mind.
0: It's like, don't be, Honestly. A, hero. Don't be a hero. Don't be like, well, you know, I'm going to take a wide receiver with the first overall pick. It's like, no. What the fuck are you doing? Hey, if you want to be a hipster and
1: take Michael Thomas number one overall, I mean, I'd take him number two overall, so if you want to go ahead and take Michael Thomas number one overall,
0: do it. I'd still call you crazy. but I would too. You can make it, at least you can make a case for having Michael Thomas over Christian McCaffrey. You can make a case for it. I, w- I probably still wouldn't agree with you. Though. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I had
1: the debate very early on, but... No, no. Now that we are, now that we are getting closer and closer to drafts, no, it's it's McCaffrey. It's a hundred percent McCaffrey, and you are going to just be a very, very happy, 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 happy man or woman when you are uh, watching Christian McCaffrey uh, rack up points for your fantasy team this year.
0: It's like that's my guy. That's my that's my guy. That's my boo. That's my boo. CMC. Yeah. All right, moving on to the wide receivers, and this is an interesting group. Uh, you know, DJ Moore and everybody else. Yep, DJ Moore is the number one in this offense. Um, nothing more to say really about that other than he is he's the number one in this offense. Um, with and also he's going to have a competent quarterback as well, with yeah. uh, Teddy Bridge or Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Michael Thomas's numbers when Drew Brees went out with that thumb injury really did not change that much. So give credit to Teddy Bridgewater for keeping Michael Thomas very much involved in the game plan. And that's what I could see here happening as well with, with DJ Moore and then with, uh, with Christian McCaffrey. I expect big things from DJ Moore. I was a big fan of his when he was drafted uh, 24th overall, I believe, um, out of Maryland. I was a big fan. I think he's an athletic freak. And it really just came down to him being more consistent. But boy, oh boy, did really that all come together the second half of last year. And 87 receptions for him last year with really just garbage at quarterback, whether it was Kyle Allen or or Will Greer. DJ Moore still played really out of his skin and you know we could be talking about a guy that third year breakout could really be coming and you could really say it happened last year the guy was a pretty much he was he was 25 yards away from being a 1200 yard receiver last year the only thing with DJ Moore that I don't want to say it shies me away from him because it doesn't I mean I love DJ Moore is the touchdowns the touchdowns are always going to be a little lower than than maybe they should be but at the end of the day, I have him down for 88 receptions, 1,158 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. So the touchdowns, yeah, they are they are a little lower. That's fine. You know that comes to the territory with DJ Moore, but still, 88 receptions in a PPR that's outstanding for someone that you could go ahead and you you know you're plugging into your lineup and you're saying, all right, that's safe. You know that's, yep. that that's a, that's a done deal, and his strength of schedule is very very good. He's the third easiest uh, strength schedule in terms of uh, wide receivers this season, so that helps with DJ more. In terms of where I have him in my rankings, I have him at up. Oh, okay, yeah, that's why I thought I had him. He is right at my wide receiver twelve, so he is a wide receiver one.
0: Yep. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I mean, another player on another receiver. Is uh, Robbie Anderson, who the Panthers signed in the offseason, who I know all too well from his time with the New York Jets. You do? And Robbie Anderson is one of those guys that he's inconsistent in the sense that there will be weeks where he gets multiple long bombs and he'll put up like 25 points. And then there will be weeks where He doesn't get any looks, and he puts up five points. So keep that in mind.
1: He should be the number two receiver on the outside for for Carolina. Um, Going back and playing with his old college coach, Matt Rule, so that Mm -hmm. should uh, definitely give him added looks in terms of uh, what his overall um, output should be. But at the end of the day, I'm not drafting him as anything more than a – I kind of have, I have him as a wide receiver five. So that yeah. just, it kind of goes to show you how I feel. But Robbie Anderson, I have, I have him down for 44 receptions for 673 yards and three touchdowns. So basically he's a guy and we're in a deep league. You'll draft him to round out your bench. But I would say in 10 team leagues, I don't think he's being drafted in 12 team leagues. I could make, I, you can make the case for it. Uh, 14, absolutely, he'll be drafted. Um, so just temper expectations with Robbie Anderson. He's not going to be the guy that he was with the New York Jets. I can tell you that right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He, and then,
1: I, I mean, yeah. I have, I have one, more, one more guy. I mean, unless you were going to go and, uh, and talk about uh, Curtis Samuel.
0: No, no, you could talk about Curtis Samuel. Go for it. Go for it.
1: So this is – Curtis Samuel, for me, is one of the most frustrating – Players in fantasy because he has all the talent. He has the draft pedigree. He was drafted in the second round by the Panthers. But he just—you just never feel confident in terms of being able to start him. So where do I have Curtis Samuel for this season? I have him down for 53 catches for 604 receiving yards and five touchdowns. So i uh, it's a decent level of pro- of production, but he's my wide receiver 49. So. If you want to go that way, you you can, but it it's it's not something that I'm really, you know, willing to go out and say, yeah, I I drafted Curtis Samuel everywhere last year cuz I thought he was going to be a pretty nice uh late round flyer that maybe he can turn into something, and it just did not work out at all cuz I mean, I never felt good about starting him in any way shape or form. So, I think this is the year that we can all just firmly give up on on Curtis Samuel, and just say that if if it's not Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore, you're not drafting a Carolina Panther. Unless, of course, it's Teddy Bridgewater and two QB. Then, then of course, yes, you are drafting Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Yep. Uh, do you want to talk about Ian Thomas real quick sure. before we move on to uh, New, Orleans? New Orleans? Sure. So, so Ian Thomas, I actually find to be very, very interesting, given he has the
1: best strength of schedule, the easiest out of all the tight ends. So what does that equate in terms of his fantasy production? I think it can give you a pretty nice return for someone that right now is going as the tight end 20. I have him ranked as my tight end 23. I have him down for around 58 receptions for 524 yards and four touchdowns. So in a deep league and you're looking for someone that can give you a nice return, Ian Thomas can do that,
0: and he's going for dirt cheap. Yep. All right, moving on to New Orleans, moving west Orleans. to Nollins. and we're talking about my fav- one of my favorite quarterbacks who have ever played, who has ever played the game, in Andrew Breeze. I think his full name is Andrew. It must be, but Drew, Drew Breeze. I th- I thought it was Drew. Maybe it's just Drew. It's kind of weird thought- when people are like that, where where like, oh, is your name Jonathan? Is like, no, no, no. My parents just named me John. Like that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's Drew. Just Drew. Just Drew. Anyway. Drew, Drew Christopher Breeze. Drew Christopher Breeze. This guy is he, – he's so consistent. It helps that he, he's constantly had an incredible offense, a great offense around him, and he's the most accurate quarterback to ever play the game. He has the highest completion percentage all time of quarterbacks. It's a lit, it's a it's solid company. Chad Pennington's there also. He was also incredibly accurate as far as quarterbacks quarterbacks go. And uh I mean enough waxing po- poetic about Drew Brees. Let's talk about the present, the here and now. I think Drew Brees is still gonna be solid, is still solid. Like he was uh QB4 with the like end he ended the uh the season last season around that top five in uh, quarterbacks as far as fantasy points are concerned he has a healthy Alvin Kamara uh, a healthy Michael Thomas and if he doesn't get injured again you know like what happened with his thumb injury like Drew Brees is one of those guys where as long as he's not playing outside <laughs> you can, can you can plug him in and you'll be like I I'm happy I like Drew Brees but I mean that's a big that's a big thing
1: So Drew Brees is interesting for me because I've kind of leveled off on him in terms of his – what he is for fantasy. Obviously, you know, in real life he is – he's one of the greats and there's no denying that. But I have him ranked as my QB 13, so it's a high-end QB 2. He's not going to blow you away with his numbers. 41 years old. You got to remember that. And is there obviously room for growth Absolutely, uh, 100%. I could be lowballing Drew Brees and I would have to apologize and say, you know, I'm an idiot for uh, not backing up arguably the GOAT. But in this instance. Thanks for pandering to me, for by saying that. You're welcome. I appreciate that. So, what do I see out of Drew Brees? I see him being about a 4,100 yard passer. I have him down for 4,093 passing yards so about 4100 yards 32 touchdowns 10 interceptions and going to give you much on the ground let's just let's just really face it so really where, it, where it's going to come from is going to come from the touchdowns it's going to come from not turning the ball over but the yards are not going to be what they once were because yes they do have alvin Kamara, and they also have latavius murray who we are going to get into i assume right now yes that is correct
0: Alvin Kamara is is one of those running backs we talked about before that he was playing injured last year, almost the entirety of last year. And a player that we both expect to bounce back heading into 2020. And I'm going to speak personally here and say that I have the third overall pick in our fantasy league and I am definitely kind of either thinking about drafting, you know, some combination of Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley, because Christian McCaffrey is going to be going first overall. Or uh, Alvin Kamara is definitely there in my peripheral vision as far as the uh, running backs are concerned, because Alvin Kamara is one of those guys where he can do he does it on the ground. He is a great receiver out of the backfield. And I think he's going to be a lot better now that he has a, running, a good running back to complement him, because you saw that without uh, like just by himself, I and mean, he was also injured, but just like by himself when he was the guy for New Orleans, he just like, he couldn't do it to, he couldn't do it all really. You know, he need like Mark Ingram really helped him when Mark Ingram was there in New Orleans. Now he has Latavius Murray to kind of be the ice and to uh, his fire, if that makes any sense.
1: No, it does. It it makes of sense. You're not considering you're not considering taking Michael Thomas at three? You're gonna give him to me at number four and really make me very, very, very happy. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I that's music to my ears. Give me well, give me Michael Thomas, please. Okay. Pretty, 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 please. Give me Michael Thomas. I I would come on this podcast, honestly. I would be cursing you for an hour if you take Michael Thomas at three before me. I would be so furious. I, I, I don't know what I would do. I would be irate. But Noted. in any event, what would you say? Noted. <laughs> Good. So in terms, of, in terms of Kamara, it was a down year last year. No doubt about it. You look at his numbers from last year, and they are just, ugh, they are bad. Six total touchdowns. We noted that he was hurt for the majority of the season. So what do you expect from Alvin Kamara this year? I would expect positive touchdown regression from him. I I feel like double-digit touchdowns is in his future. But how much over double digits are we talking I have him down for 930 rushing yards with eight touchdowns and then I look at the receptions I have him down for 89 receptions for 634 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. So at the end of the at the end of the day, I'm calling him a 13 total touchdown guy which should be good enough to be RB5, RB6. Yeah,
0: I mean I, and really I think there are a lot of people that would take that for Alan oh. Kamara.
1: Oh, from Alan Kamara, given what he was last year? Absolutely. Yeah. No yeah. doubt about it. They would take that.
0: Yep. And, uh, you know, let's talk about his, uh, his partner in Latavius Murray, who once again is in a supporting role for, her, for another year in the NFL, albeit on a different team.
1: Yeah, he is definitely in for a supporting role, more of the power back. Uh, with New Orleans, I, I don't really see him being much of a threat like he was last year, given, of course, yes, Alvin Kamara was hurt for the majority uh, of the season. So that really did allow Latavius Murray to go ahead and definitely get some run. Uh, the five touchdowns that he had and the uh, one receiving touchdown, so six total touchdowns for Latavius Murray last year. I look at his overall numbers and what I could see his projection sort of being. I could see him getting around 140 carries, which is good enough for me for 593 rushing yards. I gave him six rushing touchdowns, so I think he's definitely gonna factor into the uh the goal line work a little bit, which definitely does hurt Alvin Kamara a tiny, tiny bit. And then I think he can get some receptions too. I have him in for 25 receptions for about a buck fifty-five. So at the end of the day. I see Latavius Murray being just basically around flex. You know, if, you, if, you need, if you're in a crunch during a bye week or if you have Alvin Kamara and you want to take Latavius Murray, that's probably the best advice that I can give anybody is if you're taking Alvin Kamara, you better make sure you get Latavius Murray in case something does happen to Alvin Kamara because if, if Latavius Murray is the number one guy in New Orleans,
0: he, he's, he's an RB1. Yeah. Yep. he's an RB one. No, not about it. Definitely. All right, I am going to leave this one to you, because I just I'm such a generous person. You are that I know that you're gonna you're gonna you can speak about this player for hours if you had the opportunity, given the chance. I could,
1: I could very very easily. It is of course Michael Thomas, the Keep love under, of my life. Under
0: 500 words, please.
1: <laughs> I no promises. My number two overall player, he has the fourth easiest strength of schedule for wide receivers this upcoming season, so that automatically just screams, yes, please. You look at his numbers from a year ago, obviously set the receptions record, 149 receptions. That number is coming down, no questions asked. But the number that really intrigues me is 185. You look at what his numbers are for his entire career. Michael Thomas has not had a season where he has had been under 92 receptions or under 121 targets. Those are his numbers from his rookie season. He had 92 receptions as a rookie. Then you look at the rest, nine touchdowns rookie year, five touchdowns sophomore year, nine touchdowns junior year, nine touchdowns his senior year. So we're going into year five now. Michael Thomas You could say that he is one of the most cold guarantees in fantasy football, and this is why I'm telling people I would draft to number two overall like that. It's just it's that simple for me. What do I have his projections being? I have another monster season coming from Michael Thomas. I have him down for 133 receptions at 1,507 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns from michael thomas i think that he is in for an absolutely monster season and again number two overall is where i would take him no question about it you can't people say you can't really repeat his number one wide receiver too often this is a guy that can because he is he he might be the best receiver in football and he's no question the best receiver in fantasy football. He, this is one of the most elite fantasy options that you can get. And for me, I'm I'm so bullish on Michael Thomas. And if I can get him at number four, Adam, you might see me just cry legit tears because I'll be so happy.
0: Well, especially if he has a full season of Drew Brees. Of well, one of the, yes, yes, yes. And put it this put it this way. I won't be. I'll still
1: be mad at you. I'll be really, really mad at you. But I still – I have another league that I'm in where I am the two pick. So – and our draft is before uh, this other league. Mm -hmm. So if I don't get Michael Thomas in our league, I will be getting Michael Thomas in the other league. So I'm going to have Michael Thomas somewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, don't – I mean, don't uh, put all the pressure on me. I'm sure – that if I'm putting the, the pressure on you. You take Michael Thomas, no, you're hold a dead on. man. Let me just finish what I'm gonna say. Go ahead. If the player, if the if the um, the owners that have the first and second picks listen to this podcast and they listen to how much you love Michael Thomas, they might just take him despite you. For the second pick probably because I don't know if anybody's gonna be taking Christian McCaffrey or if anybody's gonna be taking Michael Thomas over Christian McCaffrey at number one. Put it this way. Other than you.
1: If Michael Thomas does not get to me at number four, I know those people listen to this podcast. I will say thank you for listening, but fuck you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
0: Okay. Anybody else besides Michael Thomas? As far as the pass catchers for the Saints, you want to talk about Emmanuel Sanders? You want to talk about Jared Cook before we move on to uh, Tampa Bay? Yeah, we talk, we talk about Emmanuel Sanders, obviously coming over from the San
1: Francisco 49ers in free agency. Uh, I look at him, I see him as a very solid number two. I think he's perfect for what the Saints were really looking for in terms of a compliment to Michael Thomas. I don't see Emmanuel Sanders putting much of a dent in Michael Thomas at all, as obviously my numbers would go ahead and suggest. But I still see him being a very, very solid wide receiver, low end wide receiver three flex sort of option. I see him being a 65 catch guy. 750 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. So I, I see he, it's very, very solid from where he's going. I have him right now as my wide receiver. Uh, I have him down as my wide receiver 39. So he's, just, he's a high-end wide receiver four, and I could definitely pull him up into that uh, wide receiver three sort of, uh,
0: sort of range yep all right let's move on unless you yeah let's just move, let's move on to tampa bay well I, I, can, I can hit on jared
1: cook really quick
0: okay okay
1: so jared cook tight end for the new orleans saints he's the somebody even say he's the second option in that offense if you're if you're you know want to put him up against emmanuel sanders that's fine i swear jared um, cook
0: is like one of the most underrated tight ends in football
1: he knows. is yeah yeah, yeah. He, he is. He gets the job done very, very quietly. Uh, in terms of what I think he can be uh, for New Orleans, he had a very solid season last year, I, I will have to say. 43 receptions, definitely on the low end, but still 705 receiving yards, nine touchdowns is the number that I'm looking at. And I'm saying, yeah, this is a guy that was targeted really heavily when it mattered most. I kind of see those numbers coming down a little bit, but I see the receptions going up. So I'm going to say 52 receptions for Jared Cook, at 669 nice receiving yards, and
0: six touchdowns. Yeah. Well, do you think the healthy Alvin Kamara is going to eat into those touchdown yards? Do you think or touchdowns? Sure. Yeah. You think that's why? It absolutely
1: could. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 absolutely could. Or just a usage no, no in general. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. No. It absolutely could, and that's something that absolutely has to be considered. Yep. is what does what does a return to form for Alvin Kamara look like for the entire Saints offense, not just Michael Thomas? Yeah, totally.
0: Okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or as some would say, the Tom Brady Buccaneers.
1: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: Yeah, the T the TB Bucks, the TB Twelve Buccaneers. <laughs> ah, Tom Brady, great. <laughs> My favorite quarterback. Say something nice about him. No.
1: Come on, say something nice about him. No. These are tough times. We have to preach kindness. I got
0: nothing. You can't say one nice thing about him. I have to really think about it. Okay, I can say one, I can say one thing. Okay. He was very good in Ted. Or Ted 2. He <sighs> so, he's good at playing himself in, in movies. So Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady. Talk about Tom Brady. I don't want to fucking mention this guy. Sure,
1: I'll make this quick for you. I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll make this quick and painless. Uh, I have him. I have him just around my QB twelve. I have him at QB eleven. Um, I look at him. I see. I see a guy that I think is going to be throwing the ball a lot. I have him down for forty four. Hundred yards, give or take. I'm actually down for 4,412. So, this is a shade over 4,400 yards passing. Have him down for 31 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And then I see him rushing for two touchdowns as well. So, I think Tom Brady is, is he's, uh, he could be set as a top 10 quarterback. I would say he's absolutely set to be a QB1 for fantasy. But I urge caution. Please, please, please do not overdraft Tom Brady because he's playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You do know not will. go do that.
0: You know, people are going to be like this is people are going to draft him like it's 2007. You know this. Probably. You know this. Probably right. Just like Rob Gronkowski, who will
1: get to who will get to in a minute. Um yeah, so so Tom Brady I have basically as a, a QB1, that's where I expect him to finish. I don't think he's going to blow the cover off of anything. I don't think he's going to be setting records or anything like that given he is 43 years old, but I think he's a very safe and reliable starting option, given the weapons that are around him in that offense. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Ronald
0: Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, and now LaShawn McCoy. Hooray! Yes, LaShawn McCoy. Oh, man. I mean, yes, the offense is a lot better for Tom Brady than what he had in his last couple of years in New England, as far in, in all sides of the ball, except for maybe the offensive line. And, um, yeah, like the running back situation is, I think it's still like a committee, like it was in new England, but I would rather have Tampa Bay's committee than I'd have new England's committee. Fair. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the,
1: uh, I'll give you the, uh, the T on LaShawn McCoy. Um, I think he's going to be a pain in the ass, quite frankly. I think that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get his run at times, but I think you know, we could see something like what happened in Kansas city that LaShawn McCoy is just completely phased out and Tampa Bay has someone emerge as the guy that gets the trust of Tom Brady. And he becomes the, the go-to guy for the, uh, for the Buccaneers, whether it is Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn. So LaShawn McCoy, I don't have a very reasonable projection for him. This is a very rough projection given I literally just did this this morning when the LaShawn McCoy news broke yesterday I really sat down. I got some projections together. I had to basically do the projections all over for the Buccaneers team, given that we were doing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. So I had to do these projections all over again. So, for as for LaShawn McCoy, I have him down for about 112 attempts, which equates to about 400 yards rushing. I gave him three rushing touchdowns and the receptions. I have him down for about 22 receptions. At just over a buck twenty five receiving yards, so overall, they just give you my opinion of LeSean McCoy he 's just not someone that I'm willing to go ahead and uh, and invest in. As for Ronald Jones, now, this is the guy that I think should be the starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I do like Ronald Jones a whole hell of a lot when I did these projections over. It was actually kind of surprising to me that Ronald Jones really didn't change a whole lot. I, I gave him a slight downtick in attempts, but it still really didn't change a whole lot in terms of his numbers. I had Ronald Jones in my rankings as the RB33, so it, and I kept him there, so it really didn't matter a whole lot, hindsight 2020. So I have him down, like I said, I have him down for about 172 carries at 726 rushing yards for six touchdowns. Obviously, there is a lot of room to grow with those numbers. And with receptions, I have him down for 20 receptions at a buck 87 receiving yards, and I don't have him getting any receiving touchdowns for the season. As for Keyshawn Vaughn, now, this was someone that I was very bullish on in the draft process. And then he went to Tampa Bay, and I said, oh, shit, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a mess. But I think Keyshawn Vaughn has an opportunity to get some heavy, heavy work with the Buccaneers. I have Ronald Jones getting 172 carries, I have Keyshawn Vaughn actually getting 147 carries for around 598 rushing yards. I have him getting five rushing touchdowns. And the receptions, I have him down for 28 receptions for 247 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. So I think any of the Bucks running backs, namely Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, I think they're investable in fantasy, but I'm not doing it until the double-digit rounds just because... We don't know who the guy's going to be yet. If there's a clear-cut guy that we can see that emerges from the pack before the regular season starts, then you go ahead and, yeah, you get that guy a boost. And obviously we'll be talking about it on this show if that does happen. But right now it's very tough to pick a guy. My guy for the backfield of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is Ronald Jones. But as you could tell, it's very, very close between him and Keyshawn Vaughn. And I think we all know with Bruce Arians and Adam, I think you know this just as well as I do that Ronald Jones makes one mistake on a, on a blitz pickup or anything like that. He's going to the bench and Keyshawn Vaughn is getting a run. So really it, it just comes down to, you have to be very, very, very careful with, who you're going ahead and you're putting your fantasy trusted and who knows then maybe Bruce Arians decides that none of these guys are the option and Dare Ogunwole oh, Dare Ogunwole I can't I've tried to say the name a million times and it just doesn't work so Dare Ogunwole oh, oh my god I, I I can't I I can't say the name
0: I can cannot say the name. Oh, Og- Darry Ogunbowale. I think it's how you. Ogunbowale? Ogunbowale. Darry
1: o- Ogunbowale. Let's say that. <laughs> sure. Sure. Him. Yeah. I mean, he, he got an extended run though yeah. last year and he was really the guy on third down and even at the goal line at times that Bruce Arians went to. So the Bucks running back situation could be a, just an absolute mess.
0: Well, sorry that you would mention that specific instance of not of missing a blitz pickup for uh, Ronald Jones, because that's literally what happened that caused him to be benched.
1: Oh, it is, and he was in my lineup with .8 at flex. I remember. Yeah. And I was wondering if he got hurt, and I was checking Twitter to see what the hell was going on. And then I saw something that he missed a blitz pickup and Bruce Arians just said, okay, you're on the bench. Done. Wow.
0: Like, Oh, okay. I'm sure Peyton Barber is very happy that he's no longer in this situation.
1: Oh, I'm sure he's thrilled.
0: <sighs> although he did, although he is in Washington. So I don't know. It's probably not probably no better. No, I, I would say definitely not. All right. Moving on to wide receiver and we have Chris Goblin and Mike Evans as the top two in this offense as far as wide receivers are concerned let's quickly go through this do you like chris godwin in this offense or do you like mike evans i like chris godwin personally i can't believe i'm saying it but yeah i do like chris godwin more
1: than i like uh, mike evans and i think the numbers are definitely going to show it uh for chris godwin i have him down for around 92 receptions for 1207 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. So I think Chris Godwin just has an absolute monster season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As for Mike Evans, I'm not going to say he's going to have a down year because that's just not Mike Evans. You know, he's a lock for a thousand yards. That's just who Mike Evans is. But what are we going to call a thousand yards? I have him down for 70 receptions, 1,127 receiving yards, and seven receiving touchdowns. So basically where I'm at is I think Mike Evans is going to be the guy that really is targeted and close. And Chris Godwin might be the guy that catches the bombs, if anything, or takes off you know, on a slant and then boom, is gone. But I think Mike Evans is fine. You know, I'm not going to say that he's, he's on the bust radar or anything like that. I just personally like Chris Godwin more just because I find him to be the, the smaller of the two, the more shifty of the two, whereas Mike Evans is really the guy that Tom Brady is going to throw the ball up to, and he'll come down and get it, much like Rob Gronkowski will be, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Bray will be as well.
0: Yes. Well, I think Chris Godwin is more Patriots receiver-like than Mike yes. Evans.
1: I agree. I agree with you
0: 100%. Yeah. And it's like, it's going to be one of those things where like Tom Brady's like, it's like I never left. It's it's just, everybody's just wearing red now. Okay, fine. Whatever. (laughs) Sure. I have my Julian Edelman right here. I didn't even have (laughs) to bring him with me. (laughs) All right, moving on.
1: And now the tight ends, these these freaking tight ends. Holy Uh, hell. It's
0: okay. You can curse. These fucking tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> God. God. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one tight end that I think you'll agree with me that people are going to overdraft. It's going to be crazy with the amount of people that are going to be drafting this guy based on name value. And it's Rob Gronkowski. Please, for the love of God, don't draft don't draft him as a top 10 tight end. Please don't. Don't do Please it. Please don't. I have him... I
1: have him as my tight end 14. Please don't do it. He's my tight end 45. <laughs> God. Yeah, I have, I have Rob Gronkowski down for 53 receptions for 692 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, we're talking, we're talking big-time uh, touchdowns. I said Tom Brady would have 32 uh, touchdowns. We're talking about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. Getting twenty three of them right then and there.
0: Yep. Uh, what about the other nine bird? Well, this
1: is where this is where this gets a little bit uh, interesting, as uh, as some would say. Um, let's go and talk about OJ Howard. Um, I think OJ Howard definitely still has a part to play in this offense. Remember when we don't thought he think- was going to get traded? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now he's just kind of stuck in uh, in Tampa Bay, but I think I think OJ Howard is going to have something to, uh, something apart to play here. But I, I don't think it's going to be something that's worth investing in. I have him down for forty receptions for four hundred and twelve receiving yards and four touchdowns. So not really worthwhile, but it'll do.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, what kind of functional offense has three tight ends? Not
1: one that I know of, and then I'll give you the I'll give you the T on uh on Cameron Brait. This is where I have the five other touchdowns going. I have them going to Mr. Cameron Brait, but the yardage with him is not good. So, I, I'm not recommending anybody touch him at all. But I have him down for 34 receptions. For two hundred and twenty-seven receiving yards and five
0: touchdowns. So, you want to clarify before we uh, close out here: which sure. tight, which tight end are you most willing to uh, t- to take a chance on in this offense? Rob
1: Gronkowski. It's not close, but okay. it would have to be. It would have to be in the double-digit rounds.
0: Okay. Preferably, preferably,
1: I would be taking him in round twelve. Yeah. Yep. I. I'm, I, I'm not taking him before that. But. I, Let's yeah. let somebody else overdraft Rob Gronkowski in your league. Don't be the guy to go ahead and do it. Sometimes that's just what you
0: have to do with players yeah. like that. You just let somebody, let it be somebody else's problem. Let somebody else make the mistake. Exactly right, Adam. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast fantasy show. You can find all shows under the Basement Talk Podcast umbrella on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud next time we'll be talking about the afc north and we hope to see you then
1: and i also have a uh, programming note for everybody we will be returning with the uh quizvitational the challenge part three that'll be coming next week so definitely stay tuned for that
0: for my co-host ed birdsall i'm adam castor we will talk to you next time on the basement talk podcast fantasy show
1: bye bye